0: and again, and again, and are still learning that it's not about us, not about a method that we would take. I believe there's biblical methods for church planning. I do discipleship, for one, is, is the key to that because Christ commanded us to go and make disciples, preach the gospel, teach what He taught, baptize. That's what we're supposed to do. Those, those things are key. But how you go about that is, is there's many different ways. One thing that does not change what we see here in John 15. That not-so-secret to success, the one that we're still learning, and I hope you will let God teach you in your life and you will learn as well. Our success depends only, only on our dependence on Jesus. Our success depends only on our dependence on Jesus. Two words we see tonight. Uh, Pastor read a minute ago from this text. We, we see the words fruits, and we see the word abide. And I'll be going through verse by verse through. Uh, some, there's not a time to go through the whole thing tonight is such a deep passage of scripture and so many truths here for us but we we'll begin here in verse number one and we're going to see this idea Christ is laying out to his disciples a very intimate conversation very few men they begin to lay on them these things that are personal they're what they're going to need to understand to do and go change the world which he called them to do and knew they would but they had learned this as well some of them had a hard time learning it than others some of us have a hard time learning this than others some of us are more stubborn and hard-headed than others uh, and I've seen in, in church many times that some people have to go through a very hard road. God has to humble them like Peter. He has to humble them in such a way that it hurts. It's painful. Others learn it by simply spending more time in the Word. And, and though it is a little bit, it's a similar experience, maybe not quite as painful. They simply started spending time. One of our, our things in that over the years was we simply spent time going through the Word of God verse by verse by verse. And God showed us so many things just by doing that that would lead us in the direction He'd have us go. It happens in many different ways. But they all have one thing in common, and that is our dependence on Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 1. John 15, verse 1 tonight. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. And verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruits. We are dependent on Jesus. We'll see that here in the verse tonight. Let's pray together as I begin. Lord, we thank You for Your Word tonight. We thank You for the church and their desire to have us come and share our heart for Puerto Rico, and we hope they've seen that tonight. But now we especially hope that they would hear from You, hear from Your Word, what you laid on my heart and are teaching us. And I pray You would teach them as well tonight that we all need a remembrance that it's not about us or our abilities, our power, nothing of ourselves. It's Your work in us, power of Your Spirit, through Your Word, that changes things around us and changes us. Help us understand that. Maybe see it with a new light tonight. I pray for our church Puerto Rico that met this morning. We pray you continue to bless them and help them grow, Lord. And I pray that you would work. If there's one here tonight that doesn't know you, that is not uh, branched and is abiding as part of the vine, never been saved, I pray they would come to the saving knowledge of Christ tonight and repentance through faith turn to you. I ask you to bless your word and be with me as I speak. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Success, like I said, it's simple, right? <laughs> it's very hard, but it's, it's a very simple idea. Um, now, Jesus is talking here in John 15 using a lot of imagery of, of farming, gardening. Do we have any farmers tonight? I mean, I know we're driving through, we saw a lot of farmland. Do we have any farmers in the church? Do we have any gardeners in the church who would like to play in the dirt? couple not very many right so if if you're reading some of these texts a lot of times Jesus uses imagery of the land and if you don't work in the land at all you there you have to kind of say okay let me go look up what in the world he's talking about and this is one of those cases I did not work I I did not have a green thumb in fact I killed anything I ever tried to grow while I was in the states Uh, I just wasn't good at it we went to Puerto Rico and uh, we started trying to grow some things and the great thing about Puerto Rico is the soil is so rich there, you can throw a seed in the ground and just leave it there. It'll grow something. It may not give you a lot, but it'll grow something. And so we grew different things. We started learning because we found that down there, the culture of Puerto Rico, the older culture especially, they lived off the land. They, In our area, they farmed sugarcane and then plantains, which are the big green bananas, for many years. Uh, and that the previous generation lived. I knew a man there who was on a uh, farm sugarcane and and, uh, and plantains for over 50 years of his life. We talk to people like that all the time. So we found that, that learning how to plant and grow things would connect us with the community where we were living uh, in the western part of Puerto Rico, and so we started doing that. And we started growing our own plantains. Now, we didn't intend to. I, I never intend, we grew tomatoes and you know, the good you know, food, stuff that we like to eat, and those grew uh, occasionally. But after Hurricane Maria, somehow, I have no idea how it got there, it blew literally, because it's a hurricane, uh, blew a plantain somehow into our yard and it started growing. And if, you know, if you're familiar with plantains, it's like a banana. So it's just a big, a big plant that grows out of the ground. It has one big root and then it grows, and then it grows more all around. It just keeps going, it's a big root. And, uh, and they, they have them all over Puerto Rico. Again, if you want to see the pictures, we have some on our table back there. You can look at the pictures of it. We started growing that because we learned a couple things. Number one, it would connect with people who were also growing. Number two, my neighbors in my neighborhood who don't grow things, we live in a residential area, they loved the stuff that I grew, and I could bring it to them, and I could share with them. And they'd fry them and, and eat them and enjoy it. So we did that with plantains, and we give away avocados. Anything else we could grow in Puerto Rico, uh, we started doing that. And so as I began to, to work, and my family, we all worked together grow a garden and grow plantains and things. It was fun to be out there in 100-degree weather and sweat and dig the dirt and play in the dirt. And Most kids just, like, you know, get dirt everywhere. I don't know how they manage that, but uh, some of them actually were helpful with that. We, we enjoyed doing that. We began to learn a lot about it. And as I began to do that, I began to learn more about what Jesus is speaking in these texts about, about growing, about fruit and producing and, and the patience and the work involved in those things and how some of that works better. I'm not an expert, but I began to learn more about that. One of the things I learned was I just go talk to people who knew what they were doing. The ancianos, they call them in Puerto Rico, which, which in English is the ancients. We won't use that here in our church to describe our elderly, but that's a respectful term in Puerto Rico. Uh, We'd go to them and they'd say, okay, hey, yeah, you need to add some more of this dirt. Go down to the river and and get your shovel and bring the dirt back to your house and mix that. Uh, That's a weed. I'm like, I thought I grew that. No, that's a weed. Just pull that up. But I thought, no, you can't eat that. (laughs) You know, and they just look at us and they were were friendly. But that one guy in my church, I couldn't tell if he was telling the truth or not. He's like, you can eat that weed. I'm like, really? I never tried it because I didn't trust him. But I thought he might be messing with me. We found people that knew what they were talking about. So, we see here, Jesus knew what he was talking about. Now, he wasn't a farmer, but he knew what he's talking about. He's giving good advice, and it's good to have people that can do that for us. He says, I am the true vine. One of the I am statements of Jesus Christ. So important to study those. Understand what he says about himself all the way to his deity, but about his, his personality and who he is. I am the true vine, in verse 1. And my father is the husbandman. So two images here. We're starting in verse 1. Again, the farming image. We see the vine, which is the source of life and fruit. Without a root, without a vine attached, you're not going to grow anything. That's where it starts. And we see a husbandman or an expert gardener. Somebody who knows and has a plan for what they're growing. Now, we didn't always have that. Sometimes you just grew. Oh, that was good. That worked. That's not the best way to do that. But we see here an expert gardener, a husbandman, the Lord, the Father, who knows what needs to be done, knows how to improve what's there, and it's all part of His plan. And what we see in that is that it starts with Christ and obedience to the will of God the Father. The church and each, each believer who are the church, we are completely dependent on Christ, the true vine. But everything we do for God, and this is why I love when we think about it, is part of His plan for His church. And it's not about us and even being a part of it. He allows us to be a part of something that's so much greater than ourselves. We're talking about God's plan for the redemption of the world. And he lets us be a part of that in sharing the gospel and discipling others. But he's the one who's in charge and he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And so we depend on him and we trust, we trust the expert. We trust the Father and what he's doing. Galatians 2.20, it's not our life that we live. It's Christ in us. As we sang tonight. But it also tells in Ephesians, it's all the will of the Father. All the will of the Father. It's, it's Him. And that's just verse one, and they could spend more time on that. Well, I want to get a little bit further than this tonight. Our goal is dependence on Jesus and submission to the will of the Father. Verse two and three. I'll go forward. Just verse two. Every branch that beareth not fruit, He taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I was studying this verse, and the, the common, many times you'll see the idea, and again, there's some verses where you'll see this. There can be more than one interpretation, and it's not wrong. So, If you don't agree with me, that's fine. If your pastor does something different, that's okay too. Listen to him, right? Because you're here, and I get to leave. (laughs) Where it says the words here, take away, take it away. Maybe people say that means that the branches that are there, they're no good. They they just tear them off and throw them away. Because it says later, they're good for nothing, so they're going to be burned. But I was also looking at this word, where else it's used in the Scriptures, and translated to other places, translated as being lifted up. Lifted up. And every branch here that's not bearing fruit, if you look at it this way, it's there he comes in, he sees a branch that's having, having issues, or it's, it's hanging down in the dirt, and he lifts it up. And he props it up. And this will be used a lot in the grapevines and things of their time. They would lift the branch up so it would get aeration needed and needed, and it would not be touching the ground. It would be taken away from the ground, yes, but propped up so that it would be able to bear fruit. And then once it began to bear fruit, as we see here, if it is bearing fruit, he purges it. And I, and I know how to use a... I know how to use a, a Machete. I had to say machete in Spanish. Machete. Sorry, if I go into Spanish, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to get my languages straight. Um, I know how to use one. I've cleared things and used it and chopped and uh, chopped leaves on plantain and chopped vines and everything else. So when you think about purging, you think about something just going in, chopping things out and getting rid of everything that's there. Yes, God does that in, in a way to us. He cleanses us. But that word purge in the next verse is translated as being cleansed. And as we look at the side of bearing fruit, if you look at a vineyard, He props them up. So they can be useful. And then he cleans them, removes the dirt, and keeps them from touching the soil, the contamination around, so they can bear more fruits. Because they start getting heavy with the fruit they already have. They start sagging down. So he has to lift them up again and clean off all that dirt and allow it to produce even more. And look at this as the way that God works with us, that he takes us from where we are. He looks at what he wants us to be. He sees the plan He has for us and and our part in the work, the Great Commission and the work He has. And He takes us, He looks at us, and He lifts us up. He lifts us up from the moment we hear the message of salvation. We trust by faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. He lifts us up and we're we're now part of His family, child of God. He lifts us up and He begins to clean us. Sanctification begins to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be so that we can not only produce some, but begin to produce more fruit so we can be useful to Him, so we can do what He wants us to do. It's not always about cutting everything. The other things he'll cut out of our life, for sure. Because if we're living in the sin we were living before we were saved, and we just stay that way, he'll never, he can't use us. He can't use us. There are steps that are taken in our life. As God reveals things to us through his word, through the preaching of his word, through the teaching of his word, through our own study of his word, and we see, I, I need to change that. I need to leave that. I need to add this. And then he does that. He cleanses us. He's not doing it to beat us up or beat us down or tell us how horrible we are. That's, that's not what it's about. It's so that we will produce more fruit because He loves us and He cares for us. And if we're part of the vine, we're part of Christ, He wants to use us. God takes steps to make sure that, he, that if we're part of His church, He wants us to produce fruit. I learned with plantains, again, that, that there were a couple steps you would take right before the, the pod would come out and the fruit the, the fruit, which is the the plantains would come out. My neighbors, those ancianos, they told me, the first thing you do, you take all the brown leaves, you cut them off. Get rid of them. They're just taking water away from the fruit. The second thing you do is you look around the bottom where the new plantains are starting because they, they sprout up around the roots. He said, you take all those out. You separate them out. You leave one. That's going to be your next one. The rest of them you take off because what they're doing is they're taking nutrients away from what you're trying to produce. If you don't do that, they'll, you'll get plantains, but they'll be tiny. They'll be... And, and it's... It takes six to eight months to grow a plant and, and actually be able to eat it. And we didn't grow it just like that We grew it to eat it and share with others. And it doesn't like going to your neighbor with a plantain that's just tiny and skinny. And like, hey, you want one? They're like, I mean, I can buy those in the store. I mean, I don't, no, you want to get them really fat and good ones that they can fry and eat and, and share with their whole family. And so you do the work to get it ready and do that. But it takes process of time and it takes effort. It takes certain steps. And that's what God does with us. Step by step by step. Cleansing us, lifting us up. Making sure we understand we need Christ. Verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken on you. As I mentioned, uh, the idea of cleansing. He uses the word. Jesus says through the word I have spoken to you, and we know we are cleansed through the word of God as we read. And he show, that's how he reveals to us what he needs to do and what he wants to do in our life and where he wants to lead us and what he wants to lead us to and lead us away from as he was doing with the disciples. In Puerto Rico, we deal with a lot of religious confusion everyone in my church has some sort of religious background. We've got Seventh-day Adventist background. We've got a lot of Catholic background. We've got uh, charismatic background. We've got people who were uh, Baptist background even, but maybe uh, a certain variety of that that was very, very strict in certain things. And they've got certain things in mind. This is the way it's got to be all the time. And if it's not like that, it's not right. And so we've got a lot of different backgrounds in our church. And I mentioned all the men in our church. You see that picture? Every one of them's got a different background. The one thing we've seen with them and any of those we reach out to and any of we share the gospel with is that when we begin to look at the Word, I learned a long time ago, I can't stand in front of my church and attack every religion in Puerto Rico and just go uh, on, on tirades about how bad this one is or how wrong that one is and mention this person's belief or that doctrine. That all that did was made people mad. <laughs> And sometimes the word is offensive, but we don't have to intentionally be offensive. I had a lady to church one Sunday, and one of our neighbors finally came to the church and visited. And I sat there that Sunday morning. I happened to be preaching on the deity of Christ, and I mentioned the Jehovah's Witness, and she had family that was Jehovah's Witness. Now, again, it's, what I was preaching was truth, but the way I did it was attacking their religion instead of just sharing the word of God. And so she, she, she never came back. A well, big surprise. People down in Puerto Rico, they're very emotional, and if you offend them, they're gone. I learned that the, the way to do that was simply show them the word, preach the truth, teach the truth, and let the Spirit lead in their hearts and show them truth and cleanse them and lead them to Christ or lead them away from the false teaching. It, it, there's a place for defending the faith. I understand that. I, I believe fully in that. But again, I've learned that it was more about the word than about me and my strength in defending it. It, it defends itself. I just stood up and preached the Word, and and God used that to show them. He leads them and leads us to conviction of our sin, to repentance of our sin, whether it's for salvation throughout our life, through repentance of our sin as we go closer to Him and as we learn to rely more and more on Him and not on ourselves. He's purging and cleansing us through His Word. I love the fact that the church here does a variety, especially of expository preaching, and that's something we... Uh, we look for, personally, we've been doing that for about six years in our church in Puerto Rico. As God led me, as I mentioned, that's where He began to really move in our life, our ministry, and produce in our lives fruit as well as in the church when we started doing that. It just, it's amazing if you just use the Word of God for what the Word of God says, what that will do in people's lives. Because that's where the power is. Jesus Christ, of course, says he, <laughs> he is the Word. And so whether it's Him or the Word, the Word of God that reveals who He is to us, That's where the power is. Verse 4, he gives a command. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I in the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do a little bit. Is that what it says? No, it says... Without me, if you, if you have the right personality and the right plan and the right methods, uh, it's going to work for you. Without me. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, without me, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's not very much, is it? Spend your whole life trying. And that's what religious people do. They spend their whole life trying. Never satisfied. Never get anywhere. Never have peace with God. Because they're separated from the true life that is in Christ. But believers, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll act the same way. We will, though we are um, commanded to abide, to dwell with Christ. The word abide, the idea of, of a close union with, settled, unchanging. It's a permanent thing. That once we're abiding, we're going to be in Him. If we're truly in Him, we're going to be in Him. We're going to have union with Him because He has union with us. He's with us. It's not about us. It's about Him in us. And He has promised us certain things, including He's going to abide in us. Without Him, we can't do it. Then we can't do it. If we abide in Christ, if we truly abide in Christ, we will see fruit in our life. And that is something we see in the text here. We went from having no fruit, some fruit, and then we see here more fruit or much fruit. And so it It grows. The goal here is much fruit. And that fruit, many times we we speak of, of souls and we speak of people trusting Christ and that's a form of that fruit. We speak maybe of the fruit of the Spirit that God works in our lives and sanctification that He moves. There's so many different things that are involved in that. All of them, of course, as we mentioned, taking our next steps of faith in obedience to Him and learning to completely depend on Him for anything in our life. His Word... And also we have to understand this, his timing. Because one thing we know about fruit, you don't throw a seed in the ground and tomorrow, boom, there's a tree and it has avocados on it. Now we grow avocados in Puerto Rico that are, that are as, as big as my son's head. It's five or 10 pounds sometimes. They're huge. And, uh, we, and you, when it, avocado season comes in Puerto Rico, uh, they'll bring boxes of them to the church. 20, 30, 40 every week. We'll be out there and picking them off the tree with these long poles and get, the trees are huge. But if you plant avocado seed in the ground, you're not going to have fruit tomorrow. You're not going to have fruit next year. You're going to have fruit five, ten years down the road. If you want to see a, a, a large one like we see there, 20, 30 years down the road. It takes a long time. If you want to plant plantains, I mentioned that six to eight months, minimum, eight, sometimes longer, to see that one bunch of, of plantains come out of the ground and watch it grow and get the fruit from it and be able to enjoy it. Time. It takes time. And one of the things we see about abiding in Christ is there's an element of time in that. We don't learn to abide in Christ in one day. Somebody trusts Christ, they're they're not perfect. All of a sudden, their life, they've been cleansed. And thank God for our position before the Father that we are forgiven through Christ. And we know that He sees us where we're going to be in Christ, where we can't be on our own because of Christ. But that doesn't mean that in our daily life we've already gotten there. We haven't gotten there. There's time. And in Puerto Rico, we learned that if we wanted to see fruit, it was going to take time. One of the biggest, and it's sad, uh, many fields are like this. And we've had times, you mentioned the missionary tonight, I think it was in Canada. Now, my wife almost started crying when you mentioned that. Uh, We don't know that family or anything about them, but we know that feeling. I don't have anything good to write. And we've had times. We sat in church with just my family. We're doing what we thought was what God wanted us to do all the way, going inviting people and sharing the Gospel and trying to build a relationship with those around us, but just nothing happening. And that's hard in your life, you'll have times if you're serving the Lord and you're, you're praying for God to move in your life and you're just kind of sitting there waiting and waiting, and, waiting and, you're, and you're doing what you know God wants you to do right now. You're serving in that ministry He wants you in right now. You're obeying Him uh, in your life, in your daily life with Him right now where you should be and you're trying to grow. And you're learning to abide in Him and trust in Him. But nothing's happening and it feels like I'm just going on and on and on. Why is that? Because sometimes it takes time. Well, we do know that if we learn to abide in Him, He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He abides in us. And He is always working in us. And there will be a time when God moves, when God answers, when God brings people to Him. Sometimes uh, we don't have the patience to wait on that. Many missionaries leave Puerto Rico in a couple of years because it's, 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 they, don't, they don't stick it out. And I don't say that to brag about where we are because I don't feel like it's the case. Like I said, it's in spite of us many times. And we want to leave many times, but we knew that's where God wanted us. And he kept us there. But we found after years, it took years for people to really know we were going to stick around. It took years before they started understanding that we actually cared about them in some form other than we didn't just want. We would go door to door for the church and invite people, and people would come out with money in their hand thinking we were out taking up offerings for our church. No, we're here for you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to invite you and share the gospel with you. They they weren't used to that. But us coming and doing that first didn't matter. But four or five, six years down the road, and as you saw in the picture, we had our old church building. We moved into a, a larger facility a few years ago, and last year before we came back, I was talking to the guy who owned the auto parts store on the corner of my neighborhood, and we were just buying some oil or something. I hadn't been to the store in a while because I was investing in the guy who owns one next door to my church. Obviously, I'd probably rather give him my business because you know he, he's right next door. Uh, but we went back to this other guy who uh, he said he's a believer. And he was talking, oh, yeah, this, he's the pastor of the church over there. And they, oh, yeah, they used to be over here next to the bar. That's a whole other story I don't have time for tonight. Uh, our church was next to a bar. He said, oh, now they moved over there and they got a bigger church and it's growing. He was talking about us. And I'm thinking, okay, I haven't talked to you in like three years, four years maybe, because I've been using the other store. And, and I realized that God was working. It was his church, not mine. Everything he does is his. But people were seeing what God was doing. And they were watching to see if, if there was going to be faithfulness in that, if we were just going to be there for their money and leave or if we were going to stick around. And God used that. And after that time, we began to see fruit. The last couple of years in our ministry, we've seen more fruit than we've seen the whole time that we've been there on the island, not because of us, but because it was God's timing and God had us uh, wait and go through some testing and go through some growth in our own lives so that we could pour that into those around us and learn. It's not just about numbers, but it was about changed lives. As the Spirit works, and produces other changed lives. That's what that fruit is talking about. But it's not about us, it's about abiding in him. And it's in his timing and with his teaching for us. Verse 6: If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. That's a warning. It's a warning. As I mentioned, I believe if you're if you're in the vine, if you're abiding in him and he in you, you're gonna produce fruit. But he's saying, if, if you're not, you better be sure, because if you're not, you're worthless. All your religion, all your actions, everything you do, all your prayers is going to be worthless because this this, uh, branch is useless. It's useless. He says the the light of the world, the salt of the earth, it has a purpose. Every believer has a purpose to abide in Christ so that we can produce much fruit. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. How many times has that been taken out of context? We hear that a lot where we are. Uh, People take that verse. If we're abiding in Christ, what are we going to ask of Him? We're going to ask for His will to be done in accordance with the Father. We're going to ask that He use us. Is it wrong to ask God for our needs? No, of course not. We have physical needs as well and things like that, but what we're going to be asking is to be in tune with His will for our life for our church, for our community, and to be a part of that. That's what we're going to be asking Him for. So I've been praying tonight for the town here and for the work of the church and for the staff and others. They're going to be praying for those things, not just in church, but at home and other places too because we have that union with Christ that is tuning our thoughts and our desires and purging us of what we want and giving us the desires that he has. So those will be our desires of our heart. That's what we're going to ask for. We're going to ask for us to be saved in our family, in our friends, in our schools. We're going to ask God to move in our community. Uh, We're going to ask to be a light to the world around us. We're going to ask God to use us personally. Use me to do something for him that's greater than myself, to be a disciple maker. Whether it's to go to Puerto Rico, and, and I would ask you would. Pray, would God send you to Puerto Rico? Come and see the work when we go back or go, back, go take a trip and go see. It's there. You can go without us. You don't need us to do that. I'll show you how to get to my church. You can go visit them if you want to go to the island sometime. Go see it. See what God is doing there. See the need firsthand. Maybe God won't, wouldn't call you. Maybe He will. Only He knows. Only you know that. Praying for more to go. More laborers. Pray that God would help you to partner with those that are there. Us and others. Missions around the world. Pray for how He would use you here. And when you ask those things, it'll be done. He'll use you. He'll produce fruit. And this is the greatest part. Verse 8, is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So you shall be my disciples. When we are in union with Christ and we are seeking His will and He's using us and we are seeing fruit in our lives it's not to be. look how many people I've led to Christ. Look how great, look how big this church is. And, and we've been told recently many times as missionaries, we make that mistake, and I probably still do. I probably did it tonight. I'll have, my wife probably told me later. <laughs> we're trying to correct some habits in that area. But we make the missionary the, the hero of the story instead of God. It's easy to do because, yeah, we're the ones on the ground. We're doing the work, and, and we're sharing the gospel, and, and uh, that's our, our life, and we love to do it. It's our passion. But We have to be careful. We understand that we're, we're doing this to glorify our Father. To mention, he's, he's the master gardener. He is the one who is pruning. He sees not where we are now, but where He wants us to be. And He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. Christ said, you have to abide in Me. I'll abide in you. If you're Mine, I'm with you. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to make us figure it out on our own if we would just look to Him, look to His Word that He's given us. And then we would ask, what's my part? Where am I? I want to be used. I don't know how. I don't know where. God, show me. He'll show you. Speak with your pastor. Speak with the, 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 the ones who have been saved for many years in the church, the, the ones you can trust for, for uh, advice in those areas, and ask them to pray with you about that and seek others who are following God and say, how can I do that? How, uh, show, help me understand where this, where this leads, what, what can I do to help you with that? But it's all about abiding in Christ. Christ is the true vine. He is our life. Without Him, we can do nothing. The church in Puerto Rico tonight is not my church, not my family's church, God's church. He's in charge of it, not me. <laughs> Leaving that and coming to the States and leaving what we've done for the past nine years there and coming here, it's like, okay, now, now what do we do? Because <laughs> you've been doing that for so long. We were, we were told by some, some good counsel, just remember, it's, it's not yours. And whatever happens there is in God's hands, not yours. He's going to do things with you while you're here in the States this year. He's going to produce fruit in you this year in other ways while you're here. So that it's important for missionaries to have that time as well. That's why we're doing it this year so that we can also grow and God can produce fruit in us so when we return, if the Lord allows, we can serve better there when we go back. But it's all in His hands. Are you abiding in Christ? tonight? Do you know the Lord is the first question and that's the most important thing. He's the true vine. Are you trusting in Him for your salvation? Have you turned to Him, repented of your sin and trusted Him by faith in the finished work on the cross? And I don't make the, the uh, understanding that, oh, it's Sunday night, everybody must be b- b- a believer. I don't, I don't know that. And I don't believe that. There may be one tonight that doesn't know the Lord. I would encourage you to look to Him. Trust by faith. If you are a believer tonight, He's in you. You're in Him. Whether you're a new believer, days in the faith, or many, many years. That's why we share Pedro's story, many years, and God is still using him. He had a time of waiting, a time of what am I doing here? What's gonna, I guess I'm just going to live here and die, and that's it, and move on. But I'll share one more. As I finish tonight, I was uh, thinking about Alfredo, a young man in our church, in his 20s. So not just the, the older ones, but a younger man. Came to our church for a while, family of some others in our church, and was serving and enjoying it, was studying a little bit with me, making his, his first steps. And then after a few months, he just disappeared. We said, what happened? Where'd you go? Stop. stop wouldn't answer my texts or calls. We do more texting than we do calling or WhatsApping people. I think it's a verb now, WhatsApp. Uh, we do more of that than we do calling a lot, it seems like, down there. And he wasn't answering me anymore. I said, what happened? Where, what happened? It's, oh, his family, they told me, oh, by the way, yeah, he's, he joined a, a, another religious group that I'd never heard of before in another city, and he is over there with them. Every Saturday, he told his work, I can't work on Saturdays. i got to serve with this, this church. Which he used the word church, but I, I wouldn't use that. It's a not trusting in Christ. It was a false, a false religion there. They had told him, don't talk to that pastor anymore. He's not telling you the truth. We have the truth. And so he began serving with them. He began uh, for the next two years preaching for them and bringing people into their, into their cult. And he began to give and sacrifice time and money and even go into debt for that false religious system because he wanted to please the Lord. Maybe that's you tonight, I don't know. For over two years he did that. And we sat back and we prayed for him and we, we tried to figure out what was happening and family, uh, his brother-in-law, continued to earnestly contend for the faith with him and try and speak truth to him from the word as he was so confused. But we essentially thought, it's in God's hands, he's not coming back, we don't know what's going to happen, we're never going to see him again. And then one Sunday morning, about two years later, he walks in the door. We're like, hey, it's Alfredo. where did you come from? I thought you didn't talk to me anymore. It, it, it was shocking. Again, so again, I've, I still have to learn things, right? It shouldn't be shocking when you've been asking God to do something and he finally does it. It shouldn't surprise us, but it does because we don't, we don't have the faith we ought to have many times. Came back to the church and he told me, Pastor, I was, I was doing this all the time. In this church, I found out all it was was everybody trying to impress everybody else and show how much they knew over somebody else. And if they knew more than me, they would insult me and, and, and they, would, they would challenge me to learn more. But it was always about who could do the most, give the most, everything you could think of. They said, when I had a need, they didn't, they didn't help me. They didn't care. In fact, they came and asked me why I hadn't given my tithe. And that's all they asked me about because all they cared about was my money. And he finally realized that. Now, I didn't reveal that to him. God revealed that to him. And we began to speak together and we found out he never trusted Christ. I said, what, do you, what does it mean to be saved? And he began to talk about following the law and doing all these works. And no, that wasn't, that wasn't salvation. And I took the Scriptures again through the Word and I shared with him the Gospel. We were doing, of all places, doing a video, a video conference uh, discipleship from his house. And right there, knelt, prayed sincerely, asked God to forgive him of his sins, and he trusted Christ as Savior. A lot of zeal before. But he was doing it separate from the vine. Now, guess what? He's still serving. He's, still, he's told me, uh, he's considering the Lord maybe would use him to preach uh, in the church one day. And I said, hold on a minute. We've got a ways to go before we get there. Uh, but the difference is now he's abiding in Christ and he's learning what it really means to be in Christ and not serving to please God only, but serving because of his relationship with him. And it's so much different. I hope that you understand that tonight. I hope you know that. Abiding in Christ. Yes, He wants to use us, but our dependence is on Him. And without Him, we can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. And there's much more in, in this passage that we could have gone through. I know there's many more aspects to abiding in Christ alone that we could have covered tonight. But I pray that uh, I've spoken what you have for the church this evening. Again, I pray if there's one that doesn't know you, they'd come to Christ. Tonight, that today would be their day of salvation. You know their hearts. May the Spirit move in their hearts and give them light. So they understand the truth of the gospel. For those that are believers, young or old, I pray that you would move in their hearts and continue to revive them and use them, whether it be in missions or here locally or in the church, wherever you have them, on their job, in their school, their, in their families. So many places we can be used. That you would produce fruit in each of our lives. That together, We'll be part of what you want to do, the glory glory that we give to you for the work you're doing, not of ourselves. Give us the strength we need to be able to do that, be faithful, but help us to depend completely on you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.